0: We're in a series called Amazing Grace, and I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. And I just, I know that many people now, you're reading the Bible on um, iPhones or or some sort of device, uh, and so you're thinking, I don't really turn to, uh, but I've been saying it for a long time, so I'm going to keep saying it, all right? Turn to two passages of Scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, and then Revelation 20. 1 Corinthians 3 and then Revelation 20. So, we'll read several passages, all the Scripture will be on the screen, uh, but we'll read the first one in 1 Corinthians 3 and then we'll get to Revelation 20 later in the message. We've been talking about grace, that we are saved completely and totally by God's grace through our faith. So, we do have a part. Some uh, who preach grace would preach that we don't even have a part, but that's… it's just not true. All through Scripture. Uh, We have a part to receive God's grace. So it's by grace through faith, and it's not by works. We're going to read that verse in just a moment. But do our works matter? So I want to share with you, I've shared with you the last two weeks about how we relate to the law. So this message is called Amazing Works. Amazing Works. How do we understand grace and works? So before we get to 1 Corinthians 3, okay, I've got a few scriptures to go through before then. Let me read you a very well-known passage, but I want us to look at it closely. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 says, for by grace you have been saved. There again is the past tense nature of salvation that we looked at a few weeks ago. You have been saved through faith, your part. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, because it's grace, it's a gift. Now watch verse 9 carefully, not of works. It's a gift, it's not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. I'm going to come back to that phrase. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I just want you to notice that there were two prepositions in these. There, there were more, but two we're going to talk about, by and for. We're saved by grace for good works. So we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works, for good works. We're not saved by works, good works, but we're saved for good works. So, But we are saved by grace. That has to be nailed down and understood. And then it says, created in Christ Jesus. This is uh, something I don't think many, many people think about. Uh, 2 Corinthians five seventeen there says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Listen, when you got saved, you were created in Christ Jesus. You're, you're a new creation. And when you became a new creation, he created you for good works. Now, I, 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 I'm uh, kind of known for these little simple sayings I say. They're so simple that they're, they're kind of humorous, you know, and I know that. Uh, they, seem, they seem too simple, but I need to say this, and hopefully it'll... Help us understand, okay? Um, Good works are good. (laughs) It's good to do good works. The reason we call them good works is because they're good. Okay? They're not bad. They're good. That's good. That's good. He did good. That's good. Actually, he did well, but we, I'm just… Uh, good. I'm sorry. I had to catch myself in that one. All right. They're good works. We're saved for good works. I want to ask you a question, though. Are we judged by grace or by works? Now, before you answer… Let me tell you the answer. It's going to shock you. Are we judged by grace or works? Yes. It's like when they say, would you like fries or an apple pie with that? Yes. I'm kidding. My answer is actually no. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Okay, now, for your salvation, are you judged by grace and works? No. No. Judged by grace. But are your works still judged, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever? Yes. Let me show you some scripture, okay? We're not to 1 Corinthians 3 yet, okay? Let me show you some scripture. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. For God will bring every work. Would you mind saying the word every? Every Every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Revelation 12, 14. For God will bring uh, uh, the sea, pardon me, uh, Revelation 20, 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death, and Hades, Hades is the Greek word for hell, delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one. Would you mind saying the word each? Each, each one according to his works. Now, this is talking about lost people, but this next one's talking about saved people. Look at this one, First Peter 1, 17. And if you call on the Father, okay, wait, hang on just a minute. Let's just take a poll. How many of you call on the Father? All of the cameras overflow, everyone. Can I see? Oh, okay, all right. So this verse talking to you, okay? And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each, could you say each again? Each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear or reverence or awe. I like the way it says, your stay here, like we're visiting, we are. Matthew 16, 27, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He will reward, would you say it? Each according to His works. Revelation 22, 12, and behold, I am coming quickly, this is Jesus speaking, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to His work. Okay, can I just ask you a question? Are you in each? Are you in Every? But every one of these verses I just read, six verses say we're going to be judged by our works. So how do we understand that? How do we understand grace and works? Well, you have… Let me give you two other words uh, that begin with the same letter so you can remember these. That's why I do that, um, that will help you understand this. We have to learn, when we look at the Bible, to distinguish between our belief and our behavior. Our belief and our behavior. And let me tell you the difference, okay? Our belief determines where we will spend eternity. And our behavior determines how we will spend eternity. Saved or lost. Our belief determines where we will spend eternity. You go to heaven because you believe in Jesus, you go to hell because you don't believe in Jesus. Our behavior determines how many rewards and the degrees of responsibility and the treasure that we will have in heaven. And you need treasure in heaven because Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. He didn't say, store up for my father and me. You know, we decided to do the streets in gold, we're a little short, so send your money ahead. He didn't say that. They're, They're doing okay we're the ones that apparently we're going to be doing business there because he said you better send some money ahead. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Okay, so our belief determines where we go, but our behavior determines, even if we're a believer, how much responsibility we're going to have in heaven. You remember uh, in Luke 19, he talked about the 10 minas that he gave out and and one one, uh, got 10 more, one got five more. And he said to the one that got 10 more, uh, you're you're faithful, be faithful ruler or a leader over 10 cities. To the one to five, he said, be a ruler over five cities. I don't know if you ever thought about this. See, we, we're not going to just float around on, on clouds and eat grapes, okay, in heaven. <laughs> it's a perfect earth and a perfect heaven. No sin. But someone's going to get to lead 10 cities. Someone who's faithful. There, someone's going to get to be the mayor. And it's not going to be like here on earth, you know, where you get $6 a week and a lot of grief. It's it's different up there. No no sin. (laughs) Listen, your belief determines where you spend eternity. Your behavior determines how, even if you're an unbeliever. This this may shock some of you, but I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. There are degrees of punishment in hell. So we need to understand, so here's what we need to understand. There are two judgments. Some people think there's only one judgment. There are two judgments, the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. At the judgment seat of Christ, every person who's at the judgment seat of Christ is a believer. Every person. See, that's already been determined. And every person who's at the great white throne judgment is an unbeliever. That's already been determined. It's not determined at your judgment whether you go to heaven or hell. You determine that on this earth. It's appointed unto man once to die after that, the judgment. You get to determine which judgment you attend, but only while you're alive. If you walk out of here and you're killed in a car wreck and you haven't believed in Jesus, you've determined which judgment you're going to attend. You you have a chance right now while you're on this earth. Once your life is over, you have no other chances. You need to know that. So there's the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment, and believers are at one and unbelievers are at the other, and at each judgment, listen, this is gonna shock somebody, but at each judgment, your works are judged. Your works are judged, and I'm gonna show you in Scripture, all right? So here, those are the two points I wanna cover. Number one, the judgment seat of Christ. I wanna show you what happens at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, are you in 1 Corinthians three? Hello? Okay, I'm not there yet, okay. Let me show you two verses first, okay? These verses are written to believers. They're written to believers. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, for we must all, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is believers now, that each one may receive the things done in the body. In other words, when you are alive on earth. According to what he has done. Not what he's believed. But what he's done, whether good or bad. Romans 14.10, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, now I'm going to show you where it describes what happens at the judgment seat. That's in 1 Corinthians 3. But I want to give you a little background first, all right? 1 Corinthians is the second... Letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. It's the second letter. Second Corinthians is the third letter. I know that sounds confusing. You'd think first is the first and second is the second. First Corinthians is the second letter. We don't have the first letter. Personally, I think Paul wrote it and the Lord said, that's not going to make it in the Bible. You're going to have to try that again. <laughs> no, that's just not going to make it, pal. Okay, so Paul writes the Corinthian church a letter. They write him back, and then he writes 1 Corinthians. And we know it's his second letter because in chapter 5, he says, in the earlier letter that I wrote. And then in chapter 7, he, he says this. He begins, and six times throughout the rest of the, of the book of 1 Corinthians, he says, now concerning the things you wrote to me. He says that in, in chapter 7. The rest of the time, he'll just say, now concerning, now concerning, now concerning, he's answering questions that they had in their letter to him. From his letter to them. Are y'all following me? Okay. So, one of the things he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 3 is that there had begun to be a division in the church. And there were people saying, Well, I was led to Christ by Apollos, and he taught us this, and you were led to Christ by Paul, and so we're we're different. And and here's something that I wish the body of Christ could connect to today, and that is that Paul said, Oh, listen, you can have differences, but you can't divide. It's carnal when you divide. Don't be divided from other believers even though you might have differences. That's okay. All right, so we're coming on that conversation. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. Now, listen to me for a moment. Some people would think that the other would be Apollos. That's not true. Apollos was laying foundations too. The The other that builds on it is you. So I'll show you that. You'll see that in Scripture, but you need to understand that, all right? Now watch. And another builds on it. But let each one, you're in each, remember, we, we, just, we determined that, take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. So these, he's talking to believers. They're building on Jesus Christ. Now if anyone, if anyone, see, if anyone, that's us today, Builds on this foundation, that's Jesus, so these are believers, with gold, silver, precious stones. Now watch the next three he names. Wood, hay, straw. Now let me just make one comment on wood, hay, straw. They're flammable. That's important because there's a fire coming. Even for believers. Wood, hay, straw, watch verse 13. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work. I don't need to remind us where each is, right? Okay, Of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he's built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. He'll lose his reward. Now watch this though. He doesn't lose his salvation, though. It's very clear. But he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire, because we're saved by grace. But our works matter. You you can be a believer and do eternal works or temporal works. And the things you do for eternity will last. And the things you don't do for eternity will be burned up. And you'll receive a reward for the things you did for with eternal value, but you won't receive reward for the things you did for temporal value. Um, As a matter of fact, there's a real famous passage on being rewarded and even losing rewards that many people just don't seem to tie into this whole uh, context that we're talking about here. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, verse 1 Jesus said, take heed that you do do not do your charitable deeds before men. Now, here's the the key, to be seen by them. It's your motive. In other words, somebody might know that you do it, uh, but you didn't do it to be seen. Otherwise, you have no reward. You have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory for men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. You'll either get rewards or lose rewards, depending on how you do the good deed, okay? But I do want you to notice this word, himself. I will never forget the first time. You know, the Holy Spirit will kind of make words in the Bible just jump off the page at you and give you revelation. I'll never forget the first time I saw that. I was a new believer, and I I was reading through, and I saw himself. And I I remember thinking, I'm going to get to meet the Father. Personally, the Father himself is going to give me rewards. Himself. It's not going to be like, you know, there's like a billion people out there, you know, And this old guy with white hair comes out and says, y'all done good. And, you know, someone in the back, you know, will say, this happens all the time, what did he say? And the guy beside him will say, I think he said they need more wood. No, the Father himself will reward you Personally. 1 John 2, 28 says, and now little children, now he's talking to believers again, abide in him. Now watch this carefully. This, This could shock you. That when he appears, we may have confidence, now watch this, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. What? And not be ashamed? And he's talking to believers? Why would a believer be ashamed when Jesus comes. Well, it's real simple, because he, he realizes he's wasted his life. That he put his faith in Christ, but he never got around to attending some equipping classes like he just kept thinking he should. Never, never really went through the catch the vision class. I'm just contextualizing it for us, okay? Ne- never went through freedom ministry or kairos, never led a small group Never did take the challenge to be a tither, never did, you know, uh, give the heart for the kingdom, never did witness, never learned to do that, never let anyone in the baptism of the Spirit, never went on with Jesus. He just attended church. He really believed, but he didn't make his time count. And he said, we, we, we need to abide in him because otherwise you're going to be ashamed. Even as a believer, you're going to be ashamed. You, you follow me? Okay, I, um, when I was young, I remember I attended a baseball camp one summer, and I goofed off the whole camp. I know that shocks you, but I was not a believer. But I goofed off the whole camp, and I played pranks on people. So, several that were pretty good. But anyway, um, I did that. And so at the end of camp, the last night we gathered for dinner, I remember walking in this room where we had the meals, and over on the side there were these tables, and there were trophies. And I remember thinking, you didn't tell me there were going to be awards. (laughs) I I wouldn't have goofed off this whole week. And and obviously, I didn't get any awards because I goofed off all week. I was ashamed. But guess what? I was at the camp because my father paid the full price for me to be there. but I didn't get any awards. So there's the judgment seat of Christ. Here's the second judgment I want to cover, the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. Now, every person at the great white throne judgment's an unbeliever. And I want to show you how we as pastors and leaders and theologians came up with the name the great white throne judgment, all right? Revelation 20 Verse 11, then I saw a great white throne. That's all we could think of, so. (laughs) Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Now now watch carefully the grammatical tenses of these next few words because they're important. And books, plural, books were opened. And another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. Listen, right there, you just saw it, belief and behavior. If you believe in Jesus, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life but there are books that are recording our works, books. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Okay, now, I told you a moment ago, there are degrees of rewards and there are degrees of punishment. Let me ask you a question. Will the guy who believes in Jesus, he really truly accepts Christ and gets saved, but he never witnesses, never wins anyone in Christ, he never really shares his faith, he never really spends time in prayer, reading the Bible, he, he never um, uh, tithes, uh, he never gives generously. Will he receive the same rewards? of the guy that witnesses, shares his faith, prays, spends time in the word, tithes, gives over and above above his tithe, will 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 they receive the same rewards? No. No. Okay. So, will the guy who does not believe in Jesus, and let's say he seems to be a fairly good guy. Seems to be a good guy, but he obstinately and defiantly says, no, I will not. I will not give my life to Jesus Christ. I do not believe in God. I'm, I'm, I'm an agnostic, um, and I'm not going to believe in God. But he lives a fairly good life, goes to work and has a family and, you know, provides for them, does that. But he says, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to. And let's say that his family are believers, but he never accepts Christ. He goes to hell. He's separated from his family that are believers and friends that are believers, separated from God for all eternity, but will he receive the same torment, the same punishment that Hitler will, who killed six million Jews and five million other people, by the way, 11 million people? Listen to me. No, he won't receive the same because God's a just God. It's a righteous judgment. He's going to judge every person. Every, I, just, I read you those scriptures. Go back and listen to it again. <laughs> He's going to judge each and every person according to his works. It matters how you live. It matters. But we go to heaven because we believe. We go to hell because we don't believe. Uh, let me show you degrees of torment. Okay? Degrees of judgment. Watch this. Matthew 11, look at verse 20. It says, Then he began to teach the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done. I want you to notice this. This is the Bible. Most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Tyre and Sidon were very, very well known for uh, tormenting the prophets and for idol worship. Verse 22, but I say to you, it will be, watch this, this is Jesus talking, more tolerable. Do you know what that, those weird words mean in the Greek? Less suffering. There will be less suffering. It will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And the guy that's talking here probably knows what he's talking about. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Now watch this. This this is one of the most amazing phrases you'll ever read in the Bible, and Jesus makes it. It would have remained until this day. That's amazing. You know what he's saying? They would have repented, and my father and I would not have destroyed it. Sodom would still be here today if they had seen the mighty works that you saw. Wow. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. That's amazing. Most of His mighty works have been done, these three cities. By the way, uh, if you could imagine like the Sea of Galilee, like a circle right here, on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee shore there, a little off the shore, is Capernaum. If you went over to the northeast, it'd be Bethsaida, and then you go up from there, and it's Chorazin. These three make a triangle. It's called by scholars and theologians the evangelical triangle because it's it's where Jesus did most of his mighty works. Let Let me just bring that up to modern day, the buckle of the Bible belt. I want you to think about this. Here's what he's saying. You live in the buckle of the Bible belt and you don't accept Christ. There are people who don't live here. They live in a very dark place. It's going to be more tolerable for them in the day of judgment than it will be for you. Because you heard the message. You had good Bible-believing, Spirit-filled churches on nearly every block. It's more tolerable we will show you another one. Watch this carefully. This is written now to unbelievers. Even though it's written to the church in Rome, he begins to talk about unbelievers, okay? Romans 2 verse 5 says, but in accordance, in accordance, or to the degree, in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up, what an amazing term to use, treasuring up for yourself wrath. In the day of wrath, and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. There again shows that every person will be judged according to his works because God's a righteous judge. He's going to judge righteously. But notice this, you're treasuring up. Remember, Jesus said, you ought to store up treasure to believers. Okay, unbelievers are treasuring up wrath. That's what we just saw. You're treasuring up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath. Now listen to me. I know this is, I know what I'm saying is strong. I know that. Listen. Listen. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to scare you. I, I'm not to scare you. I, I feel like a, a, a doctor who's giving you a factual report. I am giving you a factual report. I'm telling you, if you believe in Jesus, you're gonna to go to heaven. If you don't, you're gonna to go to hell. And listen to me, listen very carefully. If you have the thought, well, if I go to heaven because of my belief, and my behavior means I get more rewards. Well, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to believe in Jesus, but I'm still going to live like I won't. Listen to me. If you have that thought, if you, if you go down that thought and continue, and that's the way you live your life, you're not saved. You're not saved. Someone needs to tell you the facts. Here's the reason. Here's the reason because the Bible says, yes, we believe, that's how we say, but there's a prerequisite to believing. Here's what it says in several passages repent and believe. Repent means to change the way you think. So you can't believe until you change the way you think about your life. So if you say, well, I'm just going to live like I want to. I just won't have any rewards. No, you're not going to do that because God's a righteous judge. So I'm not trying to scare you. I feel like that doctor who's just giving you the facts and saying, listen, you have a deadly disease. You're going to die from this disease. But... We have a cure. And I want you to know, every one of us have a deadly disease. It's called sin. But I want you to know, we have a cure. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ and His blood and His blood alone. We have a cure. But these are the facts. Now, I'm going to share one more illustration. Before I do, I just wanted to say, do you know that it specifically says that some believers will receive a stricter judgment? Do you know who will receive a stricter judgment? Now, this may shock you, but I will. I'm not that excited about it either. (laughs) James 3.1 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. I started not to put that in because I thought about all the people, you know, saying, no, that's okay. I, I don't need to be trained to teach one of the equipping classes. <laughs> okay, remember I told you a moment ago about the, the awards at the baseball camp, and I said, if I had known, if I had known that I would have received awards, okay. Now we're talking about degrees of punishment. When I was young, I, I hate, hate to admit this, where I used to hang out, uh, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to reveal my age. But I used to hang out at the skating rink. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just, just for kicks. Every campus, overflow rooms. How many of you used to go to the skating rink? Can I? Look, look at all the older people. <laughs> We're going to have to win some younger people to Christ. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so one, one night, my dad dropped me off at the skating rink. I couldn't even drive. I was about 14, probably. I'd started smoking because I thought it made me tough and cool and hanging with the right crowd, you know. My dad suspected it, so, and he knew it would, would, could lead to other things because it was the matter of rebellion, you know, in my heart. And so he drops me off, he pulls out of the parking lot, and then he pulls back around, and he comes back, and he hides. <laughs> He's a very crafty father. And he hides, and he watches me. And he counts how many cigarettes I smoke. And so, when I get home, he confronts me when he comes to, quote, unquote, pick me up, although he's been there the whole night, and he confronts me. And I try to lie and say, well, you know, I, he said, I saw you smoking. I said, yeah, I tried one, but, you know, I didn't like it. And, you know, he said, he said, I watched you smoke seven. And he grounded me for every, a week for every cigarette I'd smoked. The degree of punishment matched the degree of my offense. And I remember thinking again if I had known, <laughs> I had that thought a lot growing up. If I had known he was watching, the Father is watching. He's going to reward, and He's going to punish. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every every weekend, we we ask ourselves a question. You, You might not know this, but I do it too. As I'm preparing the message, I ask myself, I ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me through this message? And I allow the Lord to work on me as well. I want you to do that. Lord, what are you saying to me? If you're a believer and you, kept feeling, you keep feeling like, I need, to be, I need to do something for God. I need to do something. That's a good thing. That's good works. Good works. I need to witness. I need to go to some classes. I need to grow in my faith. I need to tithe. I need to, to uh, pray. I need to. That's good. But today some of you have realized that you're really not a believer, because you're living like you want, and you need to come back to God. Maybe you're a believer, and you're going to be ashamed that He's coming, and you need to come back. But maybe you've never really given your life to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you need to give your life to Jesus, or give your life back to God, or if you need prayer. For any area of your life. And when I say that, maybe you've gotten a bad medical report for you or for someone in your family, and you'd like for someone to agree with you in prayer. Maybe there's something going on with your job right now, or your health, or your finances, or your relationships. You know, if you need prayer for any area of your life, even if you're a leader here at Gateway, you ought to come. Because even by you coming for prayer, it, it might help someone else who's not a believer think, well, you know, other people are going. I, I could go and just come down and, and say to one of our leaders, you know, I'm, I just need to get right with God. I need to get right with God. I don't want to be ashamed that it's coming. And I want to go to heaven. I want to, I want to get right with God. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, no matter which campus you're attending, or if you're in an overflow room, at every campus and in every overflow room, we're gonna have leaders at the front. And at, the, uh, on, at the second, on the second level at Southlake Campus, we'll have leaders beside each exit. There are four exits and we have leaders beside each exit. So you can just make your way toward an exit and you'll see a person there with a name badge who's a leader that wants to pray with you. So just because you're seated in the second level at South Lake, don't ever let that stop you from getting prayer or ministry. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, we're gonna have one more worship song. And as soon as we stand up, you just simply stand up, step out to the aisle of whatever campus or room you're meeting in, and just come to the front of that room, that campus, and let us pray for you, all right? Please, 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 if you need prayer, you make up your mind, I'm, go- I'm going, I'm going to get prayer. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen.